You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And be sure to check out the podcast later today or tomorrow. If you missed any of our first segment with Dan DeMattei, host of Beyond Damascus, we covered a lot of great things from... The Beyond Damascus radio show that's now on Real Presence Radio Fridays from 10 to 11 Central talked about this amazing Catholic youth summer camp that uh, you want to check out. If you want to learn more information, damascus.net is the website. And then Dan's new book, Dream Bigger, a 21-day journey to unlock and activate God in your life. Highly encourage you, if you missed that segment, please check it out on the podcast, realpresenceradio.com. Also available on the Real Presence Radio app. Amen. Well, uh, so we were talking about before the break, Brad, the idea of moral relativism. Yep. And uh, I went through Exodus 90 several years ago, and so I get daily reflections. And, um, you know, the one that got sent this morning just really struck me, and I thought we could talk about it. So I'll talk about this. I'll read the scripture. I'll read the reflection. Sure. And then we can talk a little bit about it as it sits today as we look around us at the things happening around us so you know this this scripture comes from judges now (laughs) judges is a a a tough book to read and so we're we're gonna explain some things in vague detail Mm -hmm. um but if you want to get the actual detail of what happens and this is actually in scripture i encourage you to um go and check it out but just know that the the things we're talking about are are really tough things but we have to understand that in the context, and, and we'll talk more about this at the, at the end of the scripture passage, in the context, it makes sense why there's so much wickedness. Mm-hmm. And we can look around us and see there's a, lot of, there's a lot of really good things, right? But there's a lot of just insane things that are happening yeah. that, that just, it blows your mind. It's like, you know, it's like Daniel goes to the dentist, right? That, that video that came out like so, so far back. I don't know if I see that. Oh, well, th- this kid is like, He's uh, he's got the anesthesia, hasn't worn off, and everything. And he's like, kind of, is this real life? Okay. And like, raise, raise, like flipping his arm, like just in awe of his arm, like going up and uh-huh. down. Like he just can't really believe, and he's totally out of it. Uh, the the reality aspect mm. of it. So anyway, I guess uh, I guess you know, I'm the millennial. Just uh, <laughs> the old man doesn't really understand well, that's, that yet. That's a, that's a fact right there. <laughs> But I can sympathize with the sentiment. Like, is yes. this real life? Yeah. Yes. Kind of ask myself that every day. All right. So here's the scripture verse. I'll read the reflection and we'll, we'll dive into it. So the scripture verse, uh, there, there's several verses here. So we got Judges chapter 20 and it's verses 12, 20, 35, and 47 through 28, or excuse me, 47 through 48, and then chapter 21, verse 25. So, so basically Judges 20 through 21, and you probably back up mm-hmm. maybe into Judges um, the beginning of Judges 20 would be, right. but, but we're not going to share that part. So here's the scripture verse from Judges chapter 20 and, and 21. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin saying, what wickedness is this that has taken place among you? And the men of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin. And the men of Israel drew up the battle line against them at Gibeah, And the Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel and the men of Israel destroyed 25,100 men of Benjamin that day. All these were men who drew the sword. But 600 men turned and fled toward the wilderness to the rock of Rimmon. 
and the abode at the rock of Rimmon four months. And the men of Israel turned back against the Benjaminites and struck them with the edge of the sword, men and beasts, and all they found. And the towns and all the towns which they found, they set on fire. And now here's the key. Here's the end of this. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> let's do this. At the beginning of the scripture verse, it talked about the wickedness yeah. that has taken place among you. Now, we know that these are, this is a very wicked thing. So, very vaguely, mm-hmm. is, as, as uh, light as possible, can you explain for sure. our listeners who sure. have never heard of this, you know, what is this wickedness? Sure. So, just to give a little bit of broad context, in, in the book of Judges, you know, we have the, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And they've gone into the promised land, and they've taken over the 12 lands, uh, but they aren't consolidated under a king right now. They, um, you know, they had Moses, and they had Joshua, and, uh, and now they're in a time of judges, where there is no kind of overall ruler, no one to, to unify them and lead them to God. Um, and so as Judges goes on, you have God, this cycle where they, the people start to become oppressed and they fall under dominion. God raises up a judge, the judge liberates them, and then the cycle kind of repeats all over again. And as you go through Judges, the judges themselves get worse and worse and worse. Mm. So we think of, of Solomon, right? You know, uh, or not Solomon, I'm sorry, Samson. Um, Samson is, was one of the judges that brings liberation. You have uh, Gideon, who is, uh, brings a liberation. There's Deborah. Uh, and and so they're kind of, they're usually, like all... Old Testament figures, in fact, all human beings, they're a mixed bag. They have good and they have uh, wickedness. And as you get further and further into the judges, the judges become less and less admirable. And this is the last judge. And they don't even name him, but he's really kind of a reprobate. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's not uh, one that you admire in any way. And he's gone to visit the city in Benjamin uh, with a woman that, that uh, is like his wife, right? And the men of the city come up to... Uh, to come after him he, at the place that he's staying. And so he sends out this, this uh, wife, his concubine, um, and they basically beat her up and violate her all night long, long until she's dead. And Oof. so he wakes up in the morning, and, and this woman that's, that's been with him, has accompanied him, is dead. And, um, and so in, in a very graphic display, he, he rallies the rest of the, the other 11 tribes of Israel mm-hmm. because they have violated this man and this woman in such a way, and they just come down and descend on Benjamin and, and basically almost eradicate the tribe. They, yeah. almost, they almost wipe out the entire tribe of Benjamin. Except for the 600 who flee to the hills. Yeah, and so it is, it's, a, it's a very, very dark... This is probably the darkest chapter in all the Bible, honestly. Yeah. Um, and it's a, certainly the darkest time in, in Israel's history. And so you have this, this place, uh, historically where there is no one that's really consistently showing them, you know, who is God? You know, mm-hmm. how do we follow God? And the people themselves, as they've gotten further and further away from knowing the law of the Lord, following the law of the Lord, they've just um, absorbed themselves in whatever they felt like doing. Yeah. And, you know, whatever kind of strikes them. And you see that their desires themselves are getting darker and darker and uglier. Yeah. And that's, that's really the situation that they're in right now. 
Yeah, so let's stay here. We're, we're not going to leave you here. We're going to end this segment. By the time we get to the end, we're going to end on a hopeful yeah. full moment. Um, but let, let's stay here. And the reflection goes on to talk about the story in the whole book of Judges, like you were saying, ends with those haunting words. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Now, mm-hmm. here's what's really amazing. These words are meant to explain why there was so much evil at that time. Commenting on this, St. Basil the Great said, With these words in mind, I applied also to the present circumstances that explanation, which, incredible and frightening as it may be, is quite truly pertinent when it is understood. For never before has there arisen such discord and quarreling as now among the members of the Church in consequence of their turning away from the one great and true God and only King of the universe." Each person indeed abandons the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and arrogates himself authority in dealing with certain questions, making his own private rules, and preferring to exercise leadership in opposition to the Lord rather than to be led by the Lord. I said this is amazing. This is why it's amazing. St. Basil wrote this in the 4th century yeah, after Christ. Yeah, I was just Christ. looking that up. I was like, <laughs> that, that dude was early. So. 4th century after Christ. But, So, the reason I wanted to bring up this reflection is we look around us and there's there's some wickedness around us. Mm -hmm. We see a lot of things that are just, like, I I use the word insane because I can't can't come up with a different word. Mm -hmm. And so, what's interesting about this is St. Basil was talking about this in the 4th century. Right. Right. So, really, I mean... There's nothing new under the sun. Right. This you know? is human nature, fallen human nature that we're continuing to battle with. As you see, the situation from Judges is thousands of years ago, right? This is the reality of, of the original sin, of, of the fall, and our what we call a concupiscence, our tendency, our inclination towards sin, our, our weakened uh, will and our darkened intellect that we, you know, gosh, I, I think we, we all experience this, that there are things that are put forward today where it's like, how can a rational being actually think this is a good thought right Um, yeah and and it's the truth of that you know saint john paul ii taught in his his encyclical fides et ratio faith and reason that that faith gives a capacity to reason that it does not have on its own and it also provides guardrails for reason so that it stays within the realm of sanity essentially um that you know i love there's there's a great book by frank sheed who was a catholic street corner evangelist in england Back in the 1950s, I believe it was, um, the earlier part of the 1900s anyway, and he has a book called Theology and Sanity. It's not Theology Insanity, Theology and Sanity, and it's one of the most concise, brilliant, profound analyses of the Catholic faith I've ever come across. But basically, he starts off with this synopsis that um, to be sane is to see the world as the church sees the world. Mm. Because that's seeing reality as it actually is. Mm-hmm. And the further that we go, move, move away from that, from seeing the world as the church sees it, the more we are quite literally moving into insanity. And therefore, insanity breeds immorality and you know, all, yeah. all the rest. Right. Well, and, and we've got examples in the Old Testament of what happens when there's immorality, right? Mm-hmm. We have judges, okay? Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, you know? Right. <laughs> People in the culture, they don't like when you bring up Sodom and Gomorrah, right? right. But it actually, it happened. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's even scientific evidence that it happened. They can go back and, and see these things. So these are things that cannot be ignored. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there is punishment for the 
degradation of the dignity of life. Yeah. And it may not be a Sodom and Gomorrah event, you know, right. um, but, but there is going to be certainly spiritual retribution. Right. But, you know, one of the things that I think is really, really important for us in this time, where it just, at least for me and for many people I've talked to, it just feels so dark, so heavy, so, so kind of oppressive, is the fact that this has always been the reality. And the Lord God right. com- comes and brings salvation over and over again. Like, we, we can focus on the fact that sin has always been there. But, you know, St. Paul tells us that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And it's, it's, that's the stuff that he actually uses to rejuvenate, to renovate the world. Right, and we're going to talk more about that. And we've also set the stage now for how this ties into moral relativism and what that means and, and what this means and what we can do f- as Catholics in this realm. So we'll continue this discussion right after this break. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancements for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Clark, joined by... Uh, I am Brad Gray. Brad Gray, the B-Squad. That's us. Reunited. Yes. Maybe for the last time. We're not sure. No, God willing, no. (laughs) All right. Jump back in, jumping back in, because we've got a few things to cover here. We are talking about judges, okay? Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the basic, the, the almost complete slaughter of the Benjaminites. Right, yeah. 
by the other Israelite tribes because of the horrendous thing that the Benjaminites did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we set the stage, we were talking about that and talking about how we could get to that point, right? And that, that key part of the verse being, in those days there was no king in Israel, every man did what was right in his own eyes. And so we talked about how this ties directly into moral relativism, and I'm sharing a reflection from Exodus, okay? Uh, Exodus 90 sends out a, a, a reflection every once in a while to uh, to just think about something in the scripture. And so, <clears throat> here's the next part of this, and this is where it ties into moral relati- relativism, which is where we want to go, but we had to set the stage first. So, if we push back against moral relativism, it says, we should be careful about the way we speak especially about moral or religious questions. Now, this is really interesting because I had never thought about this Mm. before. If you say something like, I believe that Christ is God, or I believe that abortion is wrong, you may think you are asserting belief in that objective truth, that Christ is God and that abortion is wrong. But in our relativistic culture, most people who hear you will assume the emphasis is on the first part, I believe that Christ is God, or I believe that abortion is wrong, which to a relativist just means Christ is God for me, although not necessarily for you, Mm -hmm. and abortion is wrong for me, although not necessarily for you. If we want to make headway against relativism, this reflection continues, we have to stop beginning our sentences with I believe or I think, or even the church teaches. If someone asks why you are a Christian, don't say because I believe Christ is God, although it's perfectly true. Say instead, because Christ is God. Mm. Or if someone asks why you are pro-life, don't say, because I believe abortion is wrong. Simply say, because abortion is wrong. This was very profound for me. Mm. I'd never thought about that. Sure. But it makes a lot of sense. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think we absolutely want to hold to that reality that... um, that what we what we hold is true for everyone, right? That this isn't just the thing that kind of floats my boat. This is this is this is reality itself, right? There's a, there's an element, of course, I suppose, to understanding how one can receive things. So we want to actually be able to pre- to present the the truth yep. uh, in a way that that's not going to be. Uh, overbearing for people, but I think it's, it is important to have that that sense that we're not presenting ourselves in such a way that like yeah this is kind of my thing. Well, you know what's your thing? You know yeah. that that look I, I believe this is true for this is this is a reality for everyone. Doesn't matter who you are if you're Catholic, Protestant, Buddhist, Muslim, atheist, whatever it might be. Th- this is your story. This is your origin, and I think it, there's a, there's something in the human heart. That aches for that, right. you know, and so uh, there's uh, there's um, a great uh, there, there's a phrase. I think you, Brandon, you and I uh, watched this uh, the first virtual Catholic men's conference yes. what, right after mm-hmm. the shutdown started. Yep, and um, the the guy from um, ID. Yep, uh, uh, I, I can't think of his name. I right can't now. either. But anyway, but he's he, a good guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I love how he said the best definition of evangelization that he'd ever heard is to simply identify what the Holy Spirit's already doing in the room and ask to be a part of it. And I think sometimes we forget that. We forget that every person that we encounter, God is their God. He's working in their heart. He's stirring things up. They, they may or may not be receptive to that. They may have an attentiveness to that. Maybe they don't. But he is actually the one who's, who's the primary worker here. And we want to just tap into that reality. 
So the, as we're having conversations with people, we want to be able to, to lay that groundwork for, or, or not, not even lay that groundwork, to build on that groundwork right. that God has already laid. You know? Pete Burak is the guy's Burak, name. Yeah, I don't know how I forget his name. but Here, Here's another interesting point. So I think one of the things is like know your audience, right? Mm-hmm. Know, know right. who you're speaking to, if it's, uh, and, and how, pray to the Holy Spirit, for mm-hmm. one, to, to lead your conversation. Mm-hmm. So know your audience when it comes to this. But I think the other interesting thing, too, in this discussion that you brought up is like, when we're thinking about <clears throat> the things happening around us, you know, it's it's often easy to say that's them over there. Yes. But the one thing that we wanted to point out here is that the Benjaminites were God's people. Mm-hmm. They were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah. So we have to look interiorly at ourselves as well when we're thinking about these things. Are we saying things? Are we doing things that are morally relative? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the truth is, uh, this is something I've been struck with uh, almost scandalously. By. What is truth? <laughs> exactly. That's why. That's the age-old question, yeah, right? No. Um, what I was going to say is that uh, this has been a kind of reflection for for a long time for me. That that sounds scandalous, but I could imagine myself falling prey to any sin out there. Like I, maybe I can't imagine myself doing some of the th- the things, but I can see the the trajectory, the road that would lead to it. You know, the little steps that we make. Uh, that it's like, well, I'm not, you know, maybe that's not the right thing to do, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, and and it was the same deal with, with all these people. It's not like we're just kind of inherently better people than all those people out there who are so wrong, so messed up. No, we've been given a gift of truth that provides guardrails for our insanity. And we can just as easily leave that as, as anyone else can on the planet. Which can often make us more culpable for our actions. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. In fact, you know, it's the old with great um, power. With, we'll say with great knowledge <laughs> comes great responsibility, right? You just I mean, wanted to get a Lord of the Rings quote in that there. That was didn't actually you? Spider-Man, I think. But, oh. <laughs> uh, but yes, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, every one of us has a fallen nature that is prone toward rebellion. I love the. There's a great prayer that um, Saint Philip Neri would start his day with. He says, "Lord, look out for Philip today, for he will betray you." Mm. I mean, the humility that he had in realizing, "Look, I'm not the." I'm not the good guy here. Yeah. I am the one who's bleeding on the battlefield and who constantly needs you know, the medic, the savior, to come into all of my wickedness, all of my disgust. Scott Hahn talks about how the sins that we should be the most disgusted by are our own. Yeah. You know, that, instead of that thing out there, that there's, a, right. there's a summons, there's a call to allowing the Lord God to keep making me new. Yeah. Well, and we said we would not leave you in that darkness, in that mm-hmm. that despairing of the judges and what we're facing in our culture today. And I want to hold true to that promise because here's the thing. In that time, there was no king. Every man did what they thought they were right. And so, if Jesus Christ is not our Lord and Savior and King of all, mm-hmm. we've got a problem, yeah. especially in the church. You know, I just saw a, a research or a survey that came out, I think it was Pew Research or something like that, that said, <clears throat> and it surveyed both Protestant and Catholic uh, leaders, it said 37% of church leaders have a biblical worldview. Hmm. 37%. Wow. So I wow. think this is very profound and very prophetic. No, maybe prophetic isn't the right word. Hmm. You decide. Hmm. But I think it's very profound that we are now in the year of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. right? To reclaim what has been given to us as such a gift mm-hmm. that we have just lost 
a, a lot of people have lost respect for it. A lot of people don't even believe that Jesus is present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. So now we have an opportunity to have a revival, to have a conversion of heart, and to re-encounter and, and really accept Jesus as our King once again. And so, you know, I, I like to leave takeaways, right, calls to action when we come out of these segments. And I really think that is key. If we want to get past these problems of moral relativism, if we want to get past this, the problems of even in our own lives, like mm-hmm. where am I saying that I am Lord and Master? Mm-hmm. You know, is it in my marriage? Is it in my friendships? Mm. Is, it, is it me as a father? You know, St. <laughs> Paul talks to, to mothers and fathers about how to raise their children too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, these are things that we really want to reflect on. And I think Year of the Eucharist here, and you could talk about this for just a minute, Brad. Sure is a really good call to action. And we talked about that book, and I, I did uh, find out from Steve Smolenskowski at the Diocese of Fargo that uh, if you want to get that book, it is available at the Pastoral Center for $25. Yeah. So just call. Also, um, if you're in Fargo, the Cathedral Office, St. Mary's Cathedral Office also has them. Great opportunities, easy takeaway, short three-minute reflection for each day. I mean, this is the call to action that I would leave. Yeah, you know, it's it's... I found that as a Catholic man, um, it, it can be we can, I can be content with the fact that oh, I believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and just kind of go about my life. You know, like okay, yeah, I, I hold to that truth, but I'm not enamored by it. You know, like that I'm not like I am. I'm not floored that God Himself is right here. You know, like I can go to Mass and I can be you know, largely disengaged. It's not uncommon for me to go to Mass and I'm getting ready to to go up to communion and realize, Jesus, I didn't even. I didn't even recognize you here all the way up until this moment. Yeah. Like I've been, I've been here. I've been tending to my kids or whatever it is, you know, and, and sure, there's some distractions that are just part of family life or part of life. But there's also a, a, a negligence of, of being recollected, of bringing uh, an awareness myself of where I am and what's going on right now. And, um, you know, that, I think that... I think I'm not the only person that's prone to that. Yeah. And so already in this little, little bit of uh, <laughs> right here. the year of the Eucharist, it's been great to kind of be re-enamored by my Lord, you know, by the Eucharistic King. Yeah, absolutely. So I really want to encourage you, even if you're not in Fargo, check out this book, A Year with the Eucharist. Yep. Uh, who is it by? Uh Father it's, Paul Jerome Keller. Okay, it is a Tan book. So mm-hmm. if you go to Tan Books, you should be able to find this. Yep. It should be one of the most popular books right now. Yep. I, I just encourage you, check it out. Let's let's change culture from the inside, right? It has to start with us, and you can't give what you don't have. So consider that as we continue through the rest of the show, as you go about your week, yep. as you go about the next year in the year of the Eucharist. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We do have to head to a top of the hour break. We're going to get cut off if we don't be quiet. So up next, what is the role of a pro-life man in a post Roe versus Wade world? We'll find out when Real Presence Live continues. Stay with us. Mm-hmm. 